hit record. Chapter 22. And um, I think we covered section one. We'll actually get back to some of that later on down the section when we get the specifics of the elements of worship. But let's look, let's look at section two and then see if we can get through that down to three and four. It says religious worship is to be given to God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and to Him alone. And there's several uh, passages here um, that where Jesus himself, for example, Matthew 4, uh, tells Satan uh, to get away from him because uh, he's not going to worship him, bow down before him because you're supposed to worship the Lord your God and him alone. Um, the passage in John 5 where... Um, it also talks about um, honoring the Father and the Son. In Matthew 28, where we're familiar with the Great Commission about making disciples and baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So it's just pointing out that um, we are to worship the triune God. And I try to pay attention to this in worship when I'm putting worship together. Sometimes I'll do better than others. Sometimes I forget, quite honestly. But to try to make sure that we sing songs for example, that involve the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Um, of course, we do that. We we have a reading of a we read together a historic um, creed or confession that um, says a lot of what we believe. I try to make sure and include scripture readings that involve all that <clears throat> because it's easy to forget and neglect the doctrine of the Trinity. But we're supposed to worship the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, and so. Um, and it was somewhere, somebody said, we worship the Father through the Son by the aid of the Spirit. So the Spirit, the, the, the triune God is involved in all of our worship. And so, uh, and of course, they point out here, you don't give worship to angels, you don't give worship to saints or any creatures. So you can imagine, if you know anything about the Roman Catholic Church at this time, they're definitely making a dig against that. All right, You don't worship angels or saints. You can you can turn everybody you want to into the saint, but you shouldn't be worshiping them. And at some point in here, they'll they'll mention the, uh, something about Mary too, but uh, I don't think it's in this chapter. But uh, and of course, any other creatures, and and um, that's just uh, uh, second commandment, right? We talked about that some last last time, and uh, I think that's where we I think we just read that in worship Sunday. I think we're at the or we sometime in the last two weeks we read that long. Uh, second commandment that especially and it's in the king's English you know so it gets wordy and you get tongue tied but anyways and we talked about this statement a few weeks back but I want to go back to it real quick and we're in this section since the fall worship is not to be given without a mediator and of course uh, there's several passages that are quoted there John 14 6 where Jesus says I am the way the truth and the life I think first Timothy 2 5 there's one God and one mediator between God and man the, the man Jesus Christ um but since the fall, worship is not to be given without a mediator, nor through any mediation other than Christ alone. And so there again, there's kind of a dig at toward priesthood, toward the Pope, and so forth. There's no, there's no intermediaries between us and God except Jesus, right? But I kind of pointed out, and this is just a side note, something I thought I have maybe discovered for myself, and I, don't, I think I asked y'all about it, but... That statement made me realize that what was wrong with Cain's offering, why God didn't receive it, 
but he did receive Abel's, is that quite possibly he didn't go through a mediator. He brought vegetables, and Abel brought the best of his flock. And so I think that it's possible that Cain's rejection had to do with the fact that he didn't use a mediator. He didn't go through mediation. Yeah. And so that they knew that, even though we don't see that instruction, we do see God doing that for them in the garden, right? By covering them with tunics of skin, something had to die. So there was that idea. And they obviously knew because God said to Cain, I mean, if you do right, you'll be blessed and not, you won't pretty much. And so anyways, that was kind of the side note. Anybody think about that anymore or? Y'all good to just accept that and move on or reject it and move on either way? I've never heard it before. It makes a lot of sense. It did did to me when I thought through it because I always tried to figure out and I've heard people say, well, Cain didn't give his best. But, you know, he was a farmer. He was a... So it's not that he didn't give good stuff, but if God has to be worshipped through mediation and he didn't bring a mediation, he didn't bring... In other words, there was no bloodshed for him to be able to come to God. Then that would make sense. And then instead of repenting of that, he got angry. And um, then, he, then he spilled blood. Isn't that amazing? He wouldn't yeah. spill blood to worship God, but he spilled blood out of anger and hate. Didn't he worship God the way he wanted to worship, not the way God told him to worship? Well, I think, yeah, and I think that's part, exactly that's part of this. Yeah. yeah, because like what we've talked about in the last few weeks, yeah. Um, he did something that wasn't necessarily forbidden, but it wasn't commanded. <laughs> so, uh, well, it's like the, the, there's a scripture, and we just discussed in my Bible study in Hebrews that says there is no forgiveness of sins without blood. Without shedding of blood. Without yeah. shedding of blood. So, I think that was, and I mean, yeah, and that's kind of that's sort of speculation. So I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it. I mean, everybody's got an opinion about why it is, but I thought that was interesting that they put this phrase in there. And of course, I think they were trying to make a dig toward at, hey, we don't use priests and popes, and I mean, we go to God through Christ, and um, and really, we don't even go through the church. I mean, we we go to Christ, we go to God because of Christ and through Christ. Right? So, anyways, anybody want to say anything else about that? Any questions or statements? Because I'm going to do, well, actually, we're probably just going to do section three. I mean, we may read section four because there's another whole, the end of, the end of uh, section four has a statement that causes a lot of people problem. And we have to go back and look at what John says in First John about that uh, sin leading to death. But I really just want to talk about prayer for a minute or for the rest of our time and see where that goes. So it says prayer with thanksgiving excuse me, is an element of natural worship. In other words, we talked about natural revelation or general revelation a long time back. Pretty much just making a statement that God has revealed enough about himself that he deserves to be worshipped and prayed to. And so it is required by God of everyone. I mean, so prayer is required even of pagans. Now, they can't really pray because we're about to read why. In order for prayer to be acceptable, it must be made in the name of the Son by the help of the Spirit, and according to God's will. But it still doesn't excuse man. In other words, what they're, the statement they're making here is that God has revealed enough in himself to prove that he's worthy of worship and to be prayed to, and nobody else, because he's creator. But um, 
And it goes on to say, it must be accompanied by understanding, reverence, humility, fervor, faith, love, perseverance, prayer with others. And then prayer with others must be in a language that is understood. Now, I want to say something about that, and then we're going to go back and we're going to talk a lot about prayer. That last sentence right there. Because somebody asked me just last week, it was funny, I was reading through this, and somebody asked me, hey, does that mean that Baptists were in favor or at least believed that you could pray in an unknown tongue, right? Because that's what it looks like. If you're familiar with prayer language, tongue prayer language, then this you would see that. Because the first time I read through the confession, I was saying, well, like, wait, what? Did Baptists used to accept that you could pray in a tongue, unknown tongue? And so I, I, as I read and studied about that, there are several things. One, uh, the people who wrote our confession would definitely have not believed that was um, a thing. They wouldn't have believed that that's something people do. They didn't. They have. Most of them believed were cessationists, anyways, and believed that those gifts had ceased by this point. Um, by the time they wrote this, for sure. But really, kind of by the end of the first century. But the 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 thinking is. For a lot of these um, guys, again, they're they're attacking the doctrines of the Roman Catholic Church, number one, because many of the priests would do mass or their worship services in Latin, and that wasn't the common language of the people. And so especially when it came to offering prayers, and it was kind of keeping things mystical, so the people didn't have any idea what was going on, right? They're like... And you know we've talked about this a lot. One of the one of the things that happened that made the Reformation so possible was the printing press, and all of a sudden people getting Bibles and being able to read for themselves. And that's one of the things that the Catholic Church was trying to stamp out. And they would kill people that were printing Bibles because they didn't want people to read the Bible for themselves. And one of the things they would do is have worship in a language that wasn't the common language of the people. And so people had no idea what was being said, what was being read and especially what was being prayed. So that was one reason this is in there. And the other reason that was suggested is that many of the founders of in a, uh, the Baptist faith that we're, we feel like we're descended from anyways, and that wrote the confession, were men that were very scholarly. Some of them could speak Greek and Hebrew. At least they knew the biblical Hebrew. Some of them could speak Latin. Some of them spoke multiple languages because they were well-educated, and so they were just making a statement to them, hey, you can pray to God in whatever language you want to, but if you're in, if you, when you're with others, prayer should be made in a language everybody understands. So don't show up to be like you're so smart and show your intelligence and pray in Hebrew if everybody doesn't speak Hebrew, right? So I think that was a, uh, I mean, I think that very much cleared it up for me. And if y'all want to discuss that, we can. But those two reasons made perfect sense. I can see that why that they would put that statement in there. But um <coughs> anyways. It would be an issue of pride too. It could be. Yeah, if you're trying to you know, mm-hmm. you know showing their stuff. Yeah. Like I can speak in Hebrew and right. pray that way too. Well and I think it's interesting that you know it frees them up to hey if you're somewhere where people speak language, another language you speak and pray in that language. I mean pray in the language that they understand, you know. So uh Anyways, we'll, we, we'll get to a point later where we'll talk about the gifts and, um, and we can talk about that stuff more because I think we, I think we need to. I think we need to discuss that in, in the stance, at least, of the church on those things. Um, 
because uh, we we tend to be very harsh and we tend to say we don't believe this and we move on. But I don't I don't think that's uh, I'm not willing to do that. Um, but I'll I'll share with you what I believe about tongues and languages and all those things when we get to that. But I don't want to I don't want to camp out there now unless we need to for some reason. I'd rather talk about prayer. So, um, let me let me minimize this stuff so I can see it all at one time. All right. So, prayer with thanksgiving is an element of natural worship. And it's required by God of everyone, but to be acceptable, it must be made in the name of the Son, by the help of the Spirit, according to His will. Let me just ask a question. How do you feel about prayer? Just in general. I mean, I know you think it's important and those kind of things, but do you feel like you're good at it? Do you like to pray in front of people? You do? I don't know. I do it every day. I mean, part of my job is, I mean, that's pretty much all I do is go around and pray with this person, that person. And a lot of times I get done and I think, that was worth it. I mean, I don't even know what I was talking about back there. That doesn't sound like a prayer. I mean, I prayed in all the right, I used all the right words, but I don't feel like it was nothing. And then there's other times I'm like, wow, that was, that seemed like that was a help to everybody, myself included. Sometimes I, would you at least get, do, do some of you get uncomfortable praying in front of others? mind to do i don't seek it out but i don't mind to do it right right well for some of us we're used to if you're used to it it's kind of a thing you know we're doing we deal with our kids sometimes and like ah i don't know what to say and you're trying to say well you know it's not for us to listen we're, we're supposed to be praying um but it's still sometimes um i heard somebody say today and i think it's true sometimes prayer can just be awkward because we're talking to god you know and and Sometimes if you really stop and think about that, sure. like I'm talking to the almighty creator of heaven and earth. And that's a weird thing just to use any words, you know, and um, the fact that we can do that, mm-hmm. he even cares. Yeah. Yeah, that even lets us. I get I frustrated with myself because I'll try to pray you know, at night and I can't sleep or something. And it's like there's an old Rich Mullins song where he says uh, he's trying to pray, but he can't even keep these thoughts of you from passing mm-hmm. by. Yeah. And it's like, I get distracted. I'm like, oh, yeah. I pray about something, think about that. Oh, yeah, I was praying. And it's like, gosh, yeah. I'm treating God that way, you know? I yeah. So or go to sleep. Yeah. I mean, I've fallen asleep praying. I've lost, uh, sometimes, like a while ago, but sometimes on Sunday morning, I'm trying to look at the prayer requests and mention those names. And I'll forget what I've just said. I'll forget, uh, where am I at on this list? I don't even know what I'm doing. And um, then, you know, but I, I get that. And sometimes um, I'm like you, a strain, I have I have difficulty concentrating, even when I'm praying about serious things. And um, so I feel like I'm a failure at times. Yeah, I feel like my, you know, whatever prayer life's supposed to be, I don't have much of it. That's what I feel like sometimes. And I pray all the time. I mean, like I said, part of my job is, I mean, I pray on Sundays. I pray Monday through Friday with people. And, um, you know, it's strange that that brings a comfort to folks. And I think it's for different reasons, and we could get into that. Sometimes maybe not biblical reasons. But it's amazing to me sometimes that uh, people that want prayer. I mean, I have people that don't even know their names and don't know where they are and how long they've been there. 
But I can walk in and say, hey, do you need anything? You can pray for me. And I'm amazed that they know that out of all the people that's coming in and out of this room today, they didn't know any of their names. They don't know my name. And I don't know if it, you know, maybe it's because I have a beard and other people don't. But it's just amazing that, oh, you can pray with me. That'd be great. Do you even know who I am? You know, because I'm not wearing a big thing that says prayer, preacher. Yeah. But anyways, I think that some of the stuff, you know, like everything else that we talk about, we've all been to church enough and we've all been probably heard preachers or we've read books or we've heard, we've been to seminars or conferences where people have talked about prayer. And it's kind of like everything else, you know, it's, it's like people talk about quiet times. Well, do you have a quiet time? I, you know, you be, it's hard to prove, it's hard to bring, it's hard to find quiet time in the Bible. Now, I think reading the Bible, thinking about God, praying, these are things, but what we end up doing is it turns into, well, how long is it? You know, five minutes, I don't know, two minutes, that's not very good. Five minutes, not good. You should build up and it should be, you know, and you hear, I've heard, I mean, I've, I've listened to some of these preachers, especially way back when I was in seminary and we had all these preachers from all over the world coming in three times a week. You know, to some of them, I'm like, God, do y'all ever eat? Because it sounds like all you do is pray. You just pray all the time, read scripture all the time. <laughs> and, you know, so I was always feeling like I was lost half the time I was at seminary. You know, like one day I thought I'd say, one day I think I wouldn't. Just depend on who preached and what they preached on. You know? <laughs> I mean, someday, like, okay, if that's what a Christian is, I don't do that. You know, I'm bad at that. And so I'm not, I don't know if I am. And so I think sometimes with prayer, we that's one of those things where we've fallen into those traps of we, we've we made it pietistic like everything else. Well, if you want to, if you're, you know, prayer is something that I, I do well, so pay attention to how I do it. And I'm going to write a book about it, and you should pray like I do, you know. And then your prayer life will be good. And um, the interesting thing to me is, yeah, and there's plenty of those things. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah, like how are you going like, to reach, reach the throne of God, you know, how to pray to really get a hold to God. That's what they say in, in the churches I was in growing up in. How to get a hold to God. You know, how are you going to get a hold of him? Oh, Lord. <laughs> yeah, plead the blood. Yeah, plead the blood. And I've heard that. I've heard that in Baptist church too. Yeah, or grab the horns of the altar. Get a hold to the. Yeah, get a hold to the horns. There's all these things. And you know, people pray in different kind of ways. We were talking today at lunch about. I mean, I I grew up around people that they never spoke in the uh, King James English until they prayed. Oh no! Yeah. And then they and then all the words were thou's and thee and. Um, and you know, I'm not making fun of people. It's just, we learn things, you know, and, and, and some, and I grew up, uh, well, spent a lot of time with friends of mine up in small little independent Baptist churches. And man, they, when they pray, if you go, if you say, if they say, come on, go with us to the prayer room, you better hold on. Cause I'm talking about, they all start praying at one time and it's just this loud and people are yelling and crying and screaming and, um, and there again, I was like, I'm really bad at this because I can't do this, you know. I'm I'm horrified and I'm just, you, you end up listening instead of, because it's, uh, and again, I'm not questioning their faith in God. I'm not, I'm, it just, I'm not sure what prayer is supposed to be like other than words to God. And, and I read, there's a passage in Romans 8, 26, which we're way away from there right now in Romans. We will get there eventually. 
But it says to us, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. Now, that's the ESV. But uh, Romans 8, 26. I, I, think, I think the King James says something like with groanings unaware, which is the same thing. Too deep for words. And that's what I was describing, I think, earlier when um, sometimes I pray and I think, I think that was just me talking. And then there are times when I do something that's different. I'm like, why was that different? I mean, I've been in six different places today and done the same thing. And that was just different. And I think that's, there's something mysterious about it. Yeah. Now, I don't think this means, so what we do is don't pray until the Spirit moves you to pray or until words just start coming out of your mouth by the Spirit or something crazy. I think we are instructed to pray, and we're instructed to pray without ceasing, and we're instructed to pray often, and all those things. I think this is the part that we have no idea about. We talk to God, and this is happening sometimes. Maybe it's happening all the time. I don't know. I, but there are times I've, you know, and I don't try not to do a lot based on my feelings, but there seems to be times where I can just walk away and think, all right, that was something different. You know, it wasn't because I acted different. I didn't start convulsing or screaming or crying even. Um, but something different. And so what, I, what I'm saying that for is to encourage you. This is what the Bible says. We don't even know how to pray. With all the things that we've been told, even Jesus, the disciple, said, teach us how to pray, and we're going to look at Matthew 6. And he said, pray like this. Even with Jesus telling us how to pray, we don't even know how or what we ought to pray for is what the Bible says. The Spirit intercedes for us. And so you go back to what it says. Real prayer or acceptable prayer has to be made in the name of Jesus by the help of the Spirit and, of course, according to his will, which we'll get to. But um, we have that. I mean, I think that's kind of a great, it's not just a statement. It's a promise, I think, that the Spirit helps us in our weakness. Because, man, you think about this, this promise, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. We have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. So let us hold fast our confession. For we don't have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but who is in every respect tempted like we are, yet without sin. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. Sorry, Thank Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. And then it says this in verse 16. Let us then with confidence or boldness, the King James says, let us draw near to the throne of grace that we might receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. So we have these great commands and calls to us. And then, you know, Romans 8, hey, come to the throne and go. Let us do it. Let's go with confidence, trusting that the Spirit will intercede in our weakness and make groanings on our behalf, intercede for us. So... I guess at the front, what I want to say is this. If you don't feel like you're good at it and you lose track of thought and all these things, still do it. I mean, talk to God. Go to the Lord. Because we have this blessing of the high priest of Jesus Christ, the high priesthood of Christ, giving us access. And we have the right to come to him. Now, some people have taken that Hebrews 4 passage and messed it all up and act like, Hey, it says boldly. You go in and demand of God what you want. He has to give it to you. I'm going to tell you, if you do that, you, you're on your own. Don't, don't call my name out if you're going in there with that kind of attitude. 
But I think it's more with, with a humility that you're coming to the Almighty God. But what an amazing blessing that he's given you access to come to him. And that's what the whole Old Testament priesthood foreshadowed for us, right? You can't just walk up to God any way you want to. Look at what it would require for man to be able to get to God. You got, these, you got a temple or a tabernacle. You got a priesthood. You got only certain people that could do it. Only certain sacrifices. Blood had to be shed a certain way. It had to be put on this, put on that. And still, he's in danger of going in and doing something that cost him his life. I mean, it's a serious thing coming before God. Yeah. And so I think that we ought to, no matter what, whenever we talk to God, and, and look, I'm speaking to myself, don't let it become uh, ho-hum... Ah, sure, I'll pray and just spit something out. And I'm I'm guilty of that. I'm guilty of not stopping and saying, well, yeah. You know, let me think for a minute how I can talk to Almighty God. I mean, I've, I know I come to him through Jesus and I have a right to and I should come boldly, you know, boldly or what What did I say that um, the ESV word was? It is confidence. With confidence. You're, you're coming because you actually can come because of Christ's blood. Yes. Therefore, we come boldly because of Christ. Yeah. Not flippant and reverent and demanding. And that's the word that the ESV used, confidence. Because, again, you have the confidence of Romans eight twenty six. Hey, you can come to him. You don't know what to say. But just say, and the Spirit will intercede on our behalf with with groanings too deep for words. And that's, that's a... That's a wonderful thing to think about. And Jesus prays for us. Yes. Which is amazing to think that. Jesus well, he intercedes for us. us. <laughs> yes. They're praying for us. Yeah. That's just blows me away. All right, so I thought we should. We don't have a lot of time, but there's a few other things. Because we need to talk about pray. We, we get that. We get that we have the right. We have access. We have confidence and boldness because of Jesus. And we're commanded to do it. And the Spirit's going to make groanings on our behalf. But there's some things, there's some passages that are very interesting. And if we pull them all, if we pull them out one by one, this is what people do sometimes. Well, I got this passage that says, if Jesus said, ask me anything in my name and I'll do it. So, I mean, y'all know where people have taken that. Just turn on the TV and you'll find it. Yeah. All kind of, all kind of stuff. So that's John. And that's the one that our, our confession uses. John 14, 13 to 14, whatever you ask in my name, this I will do. But it says this, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. So right there, there is, there is a caveat even in that passage. When Jesus says, you ask anything in my name, I will do it. If the Father may be glorified in the Son. That's John 14, 13 through 14. So even within that statement, that's not just an open-ended Ask anything in my name and I'll do it. It didn't stop there. He went on to say that the Father may be glorified in the Son. So there's already, even in that passage, there is a limit. This is not just anything you can think of and imagine up. But he's saying specifically, if the Father can be glorified in the Son, then what you ask, I'll do it. Anything. Then you move to John 15, 7 through 8. And it's kind of the same thing, but now Jesus changed a little bit. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. And again, by this my Father is glorified, 
that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. So there again, there are these little, I don't know if caveat's a good word to put in there, but it's not just open-ended like people will say, hey, Jesus says if you ask, he'll do it. And then, you know, and then you got these, uh, unfortunately, on, on, on the way cares. the right purpose. Yeah. The right purpose is mm-hmm. that it glorifies God. Yeah, and in, in, in both of those passages, we don't get to deem that. it says that. We don't get to deem what glorifies God. He does. Yes. Well, and he's already put some things. Yeah, and he's talked about, I'll, I'll do whatever you wish so that you can bear much fruit. Well, he's taught us what Christians' fruit looks like. So there again, you're not just free to ask for anything there. You're free to ask if you're abiding in him and he's abiding in you. And that's pretty important too. Then, uh, which means you belong to him. Whatever you wish will be in that context of John 15, uh, 7 and 8. It'll be in the context of bearing much fruit and proving to be his disciples. And I'm not sure that's proven to the world. Maybe it's proven to yourself. Maybe there's that assurance that he gives us from time to time. Maybe it's both. And it could be some of both. I mean, Jesus did that in another place. I think he's right in that same area. If you love one another, you'll prove that you're my disciples. When you love one another. Uh, John 15, a lot of this is in John 14, 15. John 15, 16 through 17, Jesus said, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit. And there's that idea again. And that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. So you see, it's kind of all in that context. Those are. But those are some passages that are sometimes ripped out in just that little phrase. If you ask anything in my name, I'll do it. I mean, Jesus said that, so we got that to claim. But there's a few others. Matthew chapter 21, verses 20. I wrote all kinds of stuff right there. I think it's 20 through 22. I think it double clicked. Now, this is when Jesus, you may remember, there's two of these. There's one in Mark 11 and one in Matthew 21, where Jesus had withered or killed the fig tree. He cursed it, remember? And they come to him and said, man, how did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus said, truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but you'll even do, you even say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. And then he said, and whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. That's Matthew 21, I think, 20 through 22, I hope. Okay. Sorry, it looked like I clicked several things up there so I have a bunch of numbers but that's the, that's another passage too where you know people say well Jesus said I can move a mountain if I have faith and again I don't think this is something you know you, you all know that I don't believe faith is something we muster up so if you have faith then that's been a, that's a gift from God so whatever you ask in prayer you will receive but again if you abide in him and he abides in you and it glorifies the Father and the Son, right? We already know that much. In Mark 11, 20 through 24, it's pretty much the same thing. So I'm not going to reread that one. But, you know, it says the same thing uh, about the mountain. He's talking about the fig tree. And then he goes, and I'll tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. And again, that's an idea of faith. It's learning to trust God. It's back to Romans 8. Hey, I'm going to pray because this is what I see needs to be done, and I'm trusting it's going to glorify you through the Son. But at the end of the day, I'm trusting the Spirit to intercede on my behalf because I don't even really know what I'm asking in my sinful self, in my sinful flesh, right? There's a lot of things that I've prayed for, and I've 
married and and they have i've not seen it happen and i'm like well then it wasn't good for me and it wasn't going to glorify him right it wasn't you know the right time or or the right situation i didn't pray you know whatever it wasn't the lord's will yeah but it takes maturity and um fellowship to get to that place Mm -hmm. to where you're willing to say i wanted that i thought that was right but obviously it wasn't god's will it didn't glorify the father through the son Mm -hmm. and it wasn't out of faith or else it would have happened right because that's what jesus says if it's all those things it will happen Mm -hmm. but of course also look at what jesus said or prayed in the garden of gethsemane if it's possible let this cup pass from me but then he said not my will but yeah Exactly. That's a perfect example for us. And that's the other thing, you know, our confession pointed that out, that last statement in that second sentence, according to his will. So you got all these things, and I'm just pointing this out because this is why it's important to, when you look at Scripture to keep it in its context and try to, especially something like prayer or any subject, a single subject, you got to try to figure out the holistic teaching of it. You can't just pull a pat, you know, go and say, I've been looking for a verse. There it is right there. Um, whatever I ask, he'll give it to me. So I'm going to ask, and I'm going to ask believing. And, and you know, again, I think sometimes if you really think through your faith and believe in God, you realize that's got to be a gift from God. Because mm-hmm. I can't really, can I really believe he's going to do something? I mean, some, some of the things that we ask for, I mean, I have a trouble believing he can do it. Because I'm a human and I'm sinful. Right. And I, even though I can read in the Bible and say, well, he's done it before. But you know, I mean, I, and maybe it's just me, but sometimes I pray, I feel like I pray more doubting than I pray believing. I'm like, Lord, I know you can do this. But then in the back of my mind, like this little thing in the back of my head saying, yeah, but he ain't going to do it. Right. You know, and, I, and, I, and that's some of that stuff I think about, I hate about me in prayer. Mm-hmm. Because... Um, and now, you know, probably none of you want me to pray for you, and I understand that. <laughs> You're going to be like, well, good gosh. We'll find somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> he don't even believe it. I do believe it. And, that, and sometimes I'm, that's the miracle of it. Because but, but I think but that you're right because how I mean there's probably not one of us in this room that hasn't had the same situation in the sense that we've prayed for something and we're thinking well you know it probably won't work or it won't happen this way or maybe it's not the right thing to pray for yeah well that Romans says that about all of us right we don't so, even if we think we do we, we don't, don't. Mm-hmm. so that's the problem yes and I think that's why when they when the disciples asked Jesus, the first thing he said, okay, this is how you pray. First of all, our Father in heaven, and hallowed be your name. And then he said, and thy kingdom come, and then those words. This is before any intercession or any asking for anything. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And I don't remember where I found this, but years ago I found the statement, and it, and it just comes from that, Matthew chapter 6. The purpose of prayer, if you really want to know, the purpose of prayer is to get God's will done on earth and not our will That's done right. in heaven. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes... And we get that flipped around. We, we do. Because yeah. we're, yeah. we're saying, God, I want you to do this. Now do it. And, I, I, and again, I don't think that's wrong. And I know we don't do that attitude. But that's essentially... Sometimes. A lot of times our praying is nothing but, God, here's my things I need you to do. Mm-hmm. So do these things. And we forget these other things that 
Okay, well, Lord, first of all, I want, I want your will done here on earth because that's what I'm supposed to be trusting in. And so there again, when our prayers don't get answered or they get answered a different way or some a different outcome, then we have to trust and learn to trust that that's his will. And that's good. Yeah, because if it was his will to be otherwise, it would be otherwise. Because whatever his will is, it's going to be. And sometimes the hardest thing is because you think about the most praying we do, and I'm not, I'm not telling you to stop making these requests, the most praying we do in, almost anytime, anywhere, is for people who are sick or hurting or dying. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the most stuff that we pray for. Um, because I think it's natural. You know, if, we're, if somebody says, what do you want to pray for? Our minds naturally go to, well, who do I know that's suffering the most? Or who, you know. Um, and then if we, if we sat down and really made our list, we'd go through all kinds of stuff. I want my kids to be this, A, B, C, and D. And I want my family to be this. And... I want my ministry to be this. I want my life to be. I mean, we got all these things, but for the most part, if we if we say well, you got a prayer request, the thing that pops in our mind is the the sickest people we know, and I don't think that's bad because we, again, is showing what well, if anybody can fix this, it's going to be God. You know, if He can fix it, it's going to be fixed. I mean, if he if it's going to be fixed, He's going to do it. If not, I mean, you know, we're not trusting doctors and medicine. We're trusting God to use those things to bring healing, right? We don't normally bring to public that, hey, I'm struggling with this. So could you pray for but me? There's, there's nothing like that in that model prayer, is there? I mean, there's there's needs. Uh, well, daily bread. That's our daily needs. Yes, daily bread. That whole prayer is really more of a, to me, like getting your a heart posture that he is God. You're not. That's right. That's what it's about. And everything, uh, there is some, you know, uh, help me to... Um, basically uh, give forgiveness as I receive it. <clears throat> the things that we struggle with, and, and it is daily right. Yeah. And actually, there's, there was two other verses here. I was gonna, I'm, I'm not going to read all through them, but Luke 11, 9 through 13, and Matthew 7, 7 through 11, which is the same, again, different account, same passage. But you've heard this part of it. Luke, Luke 11, 9 through 13, and Matthew 7, 7 through 11. You've heard this part. Everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open, right? Or the Matthew passage, uh, kind of the same thing. Everyone who asks receives, the one who seeks finds, and the one who knocks, it'll be open. But that's in the context of Jesus telling a story, again, about God providing for needs. Mm-hmm. And he, te- he goes on to say, For which of you, if you had a son who asked for bread, would give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, you would give him a serpent? You wouldn't do that. So if you, as men who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give the things to you who ask for them? So again, you know, I've heard that, that, little, I've heard that passage sort of uh, ripped out of this context. Hey, Jesus said, whoever asks receives, whoever seeks finds, and whoever knocks, it'll be open. Well, yeah, for the needs that are most basic to you. And that's really more about trusting him. Yeah. Your heart yes. toward trusting him in your daily And then, life. yeah, absolutely. And he gives you that great illustration. I mean, you you people are wicked and evil, and you, you give what you can to your children. The Father will give what his children need. Right? You need to be confident in him. Yes. And then finally, 1 John five fourteen. This is really what, uh, and, and we'll go back to Matthew 6 real fast. I think it's time to go. This is the confidence we have toward Christ, that if we ask anything according to his will or toward God, he hears us. Right? So there's the idea. If we ask anything, we have anything toward him, 
or we have this confidence toward him, if we ask anything according to his will, he hears it. So you think about... That means he answers the way we want. Right, but he does hear it. Because again, we have that confidence of going to the throne, Hebrews 4. We have the confidence of all those passages where Jesus said, if it's, if it's glorifying the Father through the Son, you'll get it. And so if you come to him... And, you know, the only way to know his will is to, to learn the scriptures. So we learn some things. Like we know there's some things we could pray for. Uh, 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 you can pray on a mission trip. Mm-hmm. Lord, I know that your will is to save your people. So if we preach the gospel, then we pray that through the preaching of the gospel, you'll save your people and you'll raise up churches and you'll raise up pastors and you'll raise, you know, yeah. And that's, completely in line with all these things and then glorify yourself through what's happening. And there are things that we learn about the will of God and it's not just tacking that on the end because some, uh, sometimes we'll do that. Mm-hmm. Lord, if it be thy will. You know, I'll pray all these things if it be thy will. And uh, I, for a long time, I didn't realize, when I was a kid and I heard people pray that way, I didn't realize that that was biblical. I thought it was just something we attached, if it be thy will, you know. But really... In this, if you think about the holistic part, and I, I, that's pretty much, there There might be a few more like a, um, well, there are a few more. There's some passages in James um, where he talks about praying for wisdom and God will give it. He talks about the prayers, the faithful, fervent prayers of righteous man avails much. That's the King James way of saying it, but it's basically the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it's working. That in 1 John 3, 22, whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do what pleases him. Now, that's kind of a scary passage, isn't it? Okay, so I get what I ask for. If I, if I pray in a way that is according to his will, that glorifies the Father through the Son, and if I do what pleases him and keep his commandments. We're all in trouble. Yeah, we're all in trouble. So I think I think James five sixteen and first John three twenty two are really talking about positional understanding of who we are in Christ. I can come to Christ and approach the throne I can come to the throne of God in prayer because of Christ, because he's kept the commandments and he does what pleases God and he's righteous. I'm not righteous. We, we usually take James and turn that into the righteousness of men. The prayer of a righteous person avails much. So now I've got to be righteous. And if I can be righteous enough and do right things, then I can get God to hear my prayer. No, the only reason God's going to hear your prayer is because the righteous person that you're coming to God in is very righteous. And he's the only righteous one. And sometimes he brings healing to his people. That's what James says there. And I think that's what John is saying in 1 John 3.22, the same thing. I, you know, I come to him because of his will to glorify the Father through the Son and because he's going to give me what I need. He's always going to uh, uh, take care of his people. And even when I mess it up, and I don't really know what to say, the Spirit's... Uh, and even when I think I know what I, I'm supposed to say, the Spirit is interceding for me. And God will do his will. And what the beauty of it is, is when you, when we learn to pray this way and and... and God has given us faith to believe. Then when you see him answer prayer, it's an amazing thing. And it builds more confidence to keep praying in that way. Okay, I'm going to stop selfishly praying. I'm going to try to figure out how do I pray what I see I need and want for the people in my life and my church and everything else. But how do I do it according to all these things? 
and then still know that no matter how well I do it and say it, even if I write it down or I pray the most beautiful, eloquent prayer there has ever been prayed, at the end of the day, if the Spirit don't intercede for me and make that, take that to the Father, Burns it's just up. a bunch of mumbo-jumbo. I think it was, uh, I want to say, uh, it wasn't John Owen. I, I get this, I can't remember this other guy's name. But he, he said to the, uh, to the queen, one of the queens of England, that there was enough, uh, there was enough condemnation in his prayers to condemn the whole world. <laughs> Even in praying, I can't do anything right and good. It's all up to God. Now, again, that's no excuse to not do it. You can't sit around and just go, well, you know, the Bible says I'm, I'm pretty much worthless, so I'm not even going to talk to God. No, because that's not true anyways. If you, are, if you belong to him, you're his child, and he's adopted you into his family. And you have, you have the right to call him Abba, Father. And you have the right to go to him and pray in the confidence and the courage and the encouragement to go to him and trusting that uh, over time he'll teach you how to pray. And um, so anyway, I, I really needed to read through this stuff this week. So I don't know if you need it, but I needed to think through it because I'm like, you know. Super encouraging. Yeah, I do this every day, and sometimes I don't think I do very good at it. So this is, uh, that's section three. It's already 801. I, I don't want to get into number four because that's another whole subject down there. Anybody else want to say anything? Talk, ask questions.